Just in case our name Clit Talk wasn't a disclaimer enough, we wanted to let you know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So if you have any little ones in the room, now is the time to maybe put some earmuffs on or escort them out. In this episode of Clit Talk, we are deep diving into the great goddess pussy we all came from, our mothers. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today, yes. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk, talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. Welcome to Clit Talk. The Pleasure Positive Podcast, where badass women discuss everything from orgasms to gender harmony to the health benefits of masturbation, the sex ed you wish you got, and then some. This first season of Clit Talk is inspired by Regina Thomashauer, creatrix of the School of Womanly Arts, leader of the Pleasure Revolution, and author of her New York Times best-selling book, Pussy, a Reclamation. In the studio with us today, we have... Hi, I'm Greta. The youngest of 10, grew up in the Midwest, raised my kids on the East Coast and went to the other coast. Now I'm in California, started as a nurse, and now I'm in real estate and everything in between. Hi, my name is Mitsuko. I'm Tamiko's daughter. I'm 21. I've lived in Los Angeles for most of my life, and I've spent most of my time doing art and theater, um, and I've also done some child care. Okay. Hi, I'm Francesca. I'm Sugar's mom. I'm an East Coast, West Coast girl, uh, 50 plus divorced. I'm a mama, friend, sister, and a health and wellness advocate. And I run a nonprofit called Cancer Schmancer. I'm really happy to be here today with my daughter and all of her friends and mamas. So I just wanted to take a a really quick moment um, to let all the listeners know we have a couple of very special VIP guests. Um, some mamas. One of the mamas is actually a regular on our show, Tammy Co. And then we have Sugar and Lindsay's mom in the room as well. And I just really wanted to take a minute. This is going to be coming out for Mother's Day. And I just really wanted to acknowledge you guys for the mothers that you are, for raising the daughters that you have. I have the privilege of knowing you personally and your daughters. It really takes an extraordinary woman in this day and age to raise a powerful, strong, intellectual, incredible woman. And I acknowledge you for everything that it took, for all the things that we didn't see that you were doing, especially I know a couple of moms in the room have had the experience of being a single mom, doing it on your own. And um, for all the things that you've done for us that we didn't see, for all the things that you've done for us that we do see, for the unconditional love and for the space that we can go to, I know for sure that the the three moms in this room today are moms that many, many women and men out there would love to have as their mother. And it is our extraordinary pleasure and our honor to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for who you are. You're welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Beautiful Thank words. You. It's the nicest mm. thing anyone ever said to me. <laughs> 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 what an acknowledgement. Sugar's crying. Yeah. Oh, there's kisses happening. <laughs> Sweet. I'd like to acknowledge Lindsay too because I think she's an extraordinary stepmom. Mm, yeah. Thank you. I got that. Thanks. First question. So, ladies, 
Uh, what was your initial reaction when your daughter first told you she was doing a podcast your called or your mom or your mom, <laughs> your daughter, or your mom? What was your initial reaction when your daughter or your mom told you that she was doing a podcast called Clit Talk? WTF. <laughs> <laughs> what are you I was about? like, it figures. <laughs> Like not surprised. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and you're going to put your name with that. <laughs> and then, um, as I discovered more what you were up to, I began to get it. And you know, it's it's an interesting phenomenon. I'm in my 60s, and so when I grew up. I also had a large family, so I saw my daughter, my my sisters, my older sisters. They were in high school in the fifties. I was in high school in the sixties, late sixties, and um, so as we were growing up, the way that women were treated didn't seem unusual to me. But when I saw Mad Men, it all hit me. It was like, oh my god, we were like the fish in the water, and we didn't know any better because we accepted how it was. And didn't get how unfair and how unfairly we were being treated. I mean, there were always glimpses of it. And I remember, like, when I had my first child, I was like, this is not fair. He can drink. He can do whatever he wants. And I have to do nothing and be healthy and be, you know, the whole time. My my life changes dramatically. Men's life didn't. I remember feeling angry about that. At the same time, being extremely full of joy. So you, so you were worried that we doing a podcast, especially with a name clip talk, we were going to be judged. Absolutely. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I actually find this very timely to be coming out where it's a completely woman, powerful freedom of sex and say what it's freedom of speech time where I think that, uh, now is absolutely perfect to put something like this together in the demographic you're trying to reach. And um, I think that this is awesome. And you're going to grab not just women, but uh, men. I feel like men's actually going to be, you know how we sometimes have our, um, what's the phrase when you sneak, like I always call cheat, my cheat gossip, my Mm. guilty pleasure. (laughs) Guilty pleasure. The guilty pleasure for me is always buying a People magazine for a plane ride. And uh, I think this is going to be a man's guilty pleasure. Ooh, I, love it. I like yes. that. And I, I want to know just because you're so fun and spunky, like when she, when, when Sugar first told you, like what was the thought, immediate thought that popped in your head? Seriously, I, I was like, of course she is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, perfect. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Of course she is. <laughs> she's like, she's like, Kayla, have you thought about sponsors? Let me get you my list. <laughs> Let me open up my Rolodex. We got to go further. I I couldn't agree with you more. And on the way up here, as I was listening to some of the podcasts, I also thought there's a lot of other people that are taking this issue, like um, First Taste, which is here in LA too. There's a TED Talk done about that. And a lot of other venues that are doing this, but not quite at this, not quite this way. And I love that we also are able to bring the men along with us because honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> the men 
I, I talked about growing up in that era. The men didn't know any differently either. They just did not know. Right. It's not like they were bad and wrong. They were like, as <laughs> we were all like, this is the way it is. And so we learned together. Right. And it was a journey. So meets go. I, w- I want to know what was what was the thought running through your head when your mom said, "I'm going to be on a podcast called Clit Talk." Well, I think, I mean, I consider I've always considered myself a feminist, especially from like a young age, like around like 15. I think I started to really get into like the 90s riot girl movement. So I was always super. Um, interested in pushing forward the message of like that we are equal and stuff um i think i got a little worried when i started to hear some of the exercises out of context because (laughs) they're a little they seem like out of context is a little like hippy dippy or like a little like out there but like once my mom explained the chapters and like explained like why this exercise needs to be done because like some women aren't comfortable with this part of themselves um that also like really like cleared up a lot in my mind it was like oh okay that's really cool and like I think growing up in LA in a very like liberal environment having gone to art school most of my life I never really got to see as much of the the restraint that's on for most women because I feel like the environment that I was in was so open that like it didn't really matter as much but like the older I've gotten the more I've started to notice that like not everything's like that and that I was just in a very lucky situation mm. that's interesting wow. perspective wow. right I want to know from all for those of us who have not had the privilege to actually have children yet um what are the things that women don't talk about, right? I, this is what I've always wanted to ask my mom, right? So, like, my mom was a labor and delivery nurse for over 20 years. So she has seen it all, give birth to three three babies. <laughs> I want to know for those of us who haven't had children yet, what are the things that women don't talk about that happens to your pussy from the birthing process? My first child was a C-section as well, emergency C-section. And then with Mitsuko, my second kid, it was natural. And I want to say to a labor and delivery nurse that I've never had to tell this story to, I love this story. So I was really determined that I wanted to have both experiences because they're both very different, cesarean and natural childbirth. So I was really gung-ho when I was pregnant with Maxine, uh, Mitsuko, oops, Mitsuko that um, I want to have natural childbirth. So there was a labor and delivery nurse in there and I could tell she's been doing it for a lot of years. And I just looked her in the eye and I said, I really want to be able to do this. Can you help me? And she goes, I will absolutely help her. And I really feel because of her confidence and how she taught me to be in my body at that moment, it was very, very smooth having Maxine. I'm sorry, I keep saying Maxine. Very, very smooth having Mitsuko. So I thank you to labor and delivery nurses. They make that very traumatic moment, you know, really work for us. I, because maybe I've only had one vaginal delivery and maybe because I'm also uh, half Asian that I didn't really feel like anything changed in my vagina after I had a kid. I did purposely read and learn about the Kegel exercises. And I learned that when I am really have to pee really bad, that I would go to the bathroom and then I would stop at mid-flow a couple of times and that helped tighten it up. But I didn't think about that until I started to feel a little bit better, you know, a few weeks after having a baby. But that's kind of my experience. I have a question. Yes. 
Is it true that I just watched the pilot of this new show uh, that's that's uh, on TV now? And there was a scene about uh, the, where the nurse told her, um, and, you know, you guys uh, can't have sex for six weeks after. And they both were like, we did we fucking know this? Like, did we know that going into this process that we can't have sex for six weeks? Like, okay, I guess we're not going to have sex for six weeks. Is that actually true that when you give birth, like, there's a period of time after where you can't, you have to let it recoup? I really think probably Greta's the best person for this. But, <laughs> yeah, Greta, yeah. but for myself yeah. personally— it's so long ago and you're trying to breastfeed and you're not getting a lot of sleep. So it really is not a priority anyway. But I don't remember that. I don't remember them saying six weeks. So I know you may find this hard to believe, but what she just said is actually the truth. When you've had a baby, sex is very low on your priority. You've either got an incision from a C-section or... You're very sore in your perineal area if you've had an episiotomy. And the reason that they say not to have sex is really they don't want you to get an infection. That would be very bad. Listen, don't Normal. fret. Your horniness does go away, but it comes right back. It comes back. Bigger and better than ever. But you you don't want to worry about six weeks Madison, that goes by fast. You're going to have sugar. You're going to have the rest of your life to have sex. Um, so, so, you know, there was, there was interesting... Are they gonna? Our husband's gonna rape us in the middle of the night. No, they're <laughs> they're exhausted too. No, you literally become a goddess to them. Oh, really? Oh, yes. You're the mother of their child. Huh. Say that again. You're the mother of their child. You will become their goddess. Ooh. Um. So when I was having a conversation with you, mom. And it's really interesting that we have, all three of you have had C-sections in the room. So one of the things in our script, it said, we all came into this world through a pussy. And my mom actually got really upset and she said, that's actually not true. And realized that it was the fact that we were all C-sections was an upset for her. And if you're, if you're willing, mom, I'd love for you to talk about that. Well, you know, it, it, I will. I will talk about that. But the thing that occurred to me too, just listen to this. I was listening to both of you talking about how you know, birth affects your vagina is what you were talking about, how, how tight you'll be. Mm-hmm. And what is that for? That's for male pleasure because it really doesn't affect your pleasure. So just listen to our thrownness with that. Wow. We're Good all about catch, thinking Greta. about how are we going to be. And, and that is the thing, you know, if the early sex novels were all about thrusting and pounding and all written by men, mm-hmm. not by women. And um, what was your – oh, your question oh, – so – I did. I had three. I had three C sections. I, <laughs> I know I'm like all over the place. So, I think that that's kind of an unconscious thing that we carry forth from our from the way it was for us when we grew up. You know, like we're we're not. It's the thing I'm talking about. Like I wasn't aware of the way that it was when we lived through the '60s and '70s and in the culture of work. It was like that's the way it was. People were like madmen. So, um, yeah. Uh, okay. Are you still married to your husband? I am. That is lovely. I take my hat off to you. I do. Me too. So I kind of not. I don't really agree about the pussy formation. I do feel that there is. It is not about the men keeping okay. my pussy intact at all. It's actually about me, not him. And I'm going to tell you why. Because, and then it, we're, we have a different dynamic. I, I was a single mom from when they were seven and eleven. And <clears throat> I, I'm also extremely sexual. I've been extremely sexual since I'm 13. And um, I use toys. 
and sex and all different sized penises feel better when you're intact, when you're not stretched out or, you know, um, you can feel things, in my opinion, um, differently with a... uh, now, mine has not gotten very stretched out, so I can't really say, but I know that between my pleasures over the course of many years, not with the same man, so that makes it a little different, although I envy you. I love the union. I wish I was still married, and but uh, I'm not, so I'm I had to take too. it. Oh, okay. Uh, so, <laughs> she was divorced and then married another man. Okay, that's good. Divorced and a single so mom. So I, I actually do think that, A, I do think it makes a difference with sex with different size vaginas. And it is not my whole thing about the C-section saying, oh, well, I didn't have to get stretched. I didn't get ripped. I didn't get pulled. And all that has nothing to do with my thought on the man. That's all. That was all about me. Mm. So that's just my perspective. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Yep. For, and I wa- for me, and I, too. Excellent. I wanted you to actually talk more to the point where it was actually an upset. Like when I brought, when I said that the, there was an upset for you around feeling like a failure that you could not deliver your your daughters vaginally. I felt that way the first time when I was told I couldn't have sugar, who's my first. At that time, in the 70s, the mid-70s, natural childbirth was really important. I was a labor and delivery nurse. I was like dreaming of the day that I would have a vaginal delivery. It's like, Mm. who knows that you're dreaming of that, right? So I never (laughs) talked about it, but yes, I was like, I'm going to do this. (laughs) So does Lindsay. (laughs) But then when I couldn't have a vaginal delivery, I really felt like a failure. I literally felt like a failure. I never, I mean, I had a long, awful delivery, literally broke my tailbone. Oh, that happened. That happened to yes, my girlfriend. Yes, it did. It happened. And, um, and because of the way my pelvis is shaped, I know. none of the babies came down in a position so that I could ever have vaginal delivery. They came back with their head in the worst position. So I couldn't get through anybody's pelvis somehow about how it falls down. But anyway, I felt very upset. And so the next time I wanted to have what we used to call them a V-back, and um, I couldn't. It, wouldn't, it wasn't going to happen. So we were like three weeks overdue with her, and then you were big. You were really big. There were nine pounds, one ounces by then. And then you, and then yeah. your, and then your incision got infected. My incision got infected, and I got an abscess. And oh my gosh! Yes, but the but the big thing is, it was an upset. It was like a failure, sort of. You know, the first thing I did when I found out they had to take her was looked at my husband, my husband at the time, cried hysterically, and told him, "I'm sorry." Yeah. yeah, I was like, I'm so sorry. Yes. I can't have this through my vagina. And then I had to say I was sorry because it was a girl. Right? <laughs> that's something. That's no, something. No. That's true. That's something that's that true. Regina that talks is. about that in the book, how women, like when they have a, a girl, they apologize yes. to the husband. Why? Because men want their sons. All men want a son. Oh, and if you're a man out there listening and you didn't, then you're, we love you. And you're an yeah. anomaly you're because awesome. most men... They do want – it's like a thing for them to have uh, – it's they, like a biological they thing. They do before they have their girls. And once they have their girls, they're in love with Aww, their girls. That's so sweet. <laughs> I can relate to all this stuff, of course, because I had cesarean and I had the natural childbirth. When I had uh, my older daughter by cesarean, it was emergency. So I was so scared at the time that I just really wanted – and I had gotten the episio- uh not episiotomy, the epidural already. So – so it was kind of like 
easy transition from the epidural till now, uh-oh, emergency C-section because she's not breathing so well. I was just so happy she came out completely normal and healthy because it was such a traumatic moment of, oh no, she can't breathe so well. All right, let's get her in there and get the baby out. I was pushing the doctor to go do that. So I really didn't feel a sense of failure at all. I was just so happy that she came out okay because that was, with your first child, you're just so nervous. And in terms of the um, Kegel exercises I was doing, I was already married about almost eight years to my husband, who was my first love and first person I've had sex had sex with it all those years um i i wasn't really doing it for the sex i had read somewhere that if you don't tighten that muscle back up because there's a little trauma to that area tighten it back up that you could leak pee pee and i didn't want to i didn't want to be walking around one day and then my you know i'm just like dribbling so that was my purpose for doing kegel exercises and getting tight Sugar's I'm like so I don't want to leave terrified. So this is so her. this is so incredible to have all of you mothers in the room with us right now. And and what I'd like to know is, you know, from a mother to a future mother or to maybe current mothers that are listening to the show right now. You know, you guys have been doing it for 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 some years now. As a mother, what advice do you have to give to mothers who are listening to this today? First of all, I don't think advice is a good idea at all. (laughs) I think that to be a resource as much as you can be, you know, it's like um, no two people's situation is ever the same. So I think, you know, listen to what's actually happening for that person. So be in the present. To be in the present. Yeah. And to... um, to make sure that you know that you, I would say, make sure that you, as a mother, make sure your kids know that they're great, period. Mm-hmm. And that you're you're the one that's going to have their back always. That's so, pretty oh, much. Always support. And okay, but I, I have something else to add to that. I think what's really important is that, and trust me, the kids need the space as much as the parents But a really healthy environment that I learned early on was to not make everything all on your life stop in any format just for the babies and the children. You have to balance it out where you get to be an adult. You still, and you don't drop everything. Like I, I raised the girls. In an area that I really actually did not want to raise them, a little bit of a non-diverse, affluent area. And I was the only working mother in the majority of the women that had kids. And what I saw is these women had no lives or self-identity about who they were. They just did everything from the minute they woke up for their kids till the minute they... All the time. And trust me, later in life, that's not, they don't want that. So I just feel like don't lose yourself because you need to be a independent power force that they see and can identify. My mom is my mom and my mom is, and they can fill in that blank, not to be, and I, I've been, I've watched it my, their whole life. These don't be the mom that drops everything and just is all about these kids and on them about everything and their life. Just make a set, have separate time 
for yourself and your spouse to keep a healthy relationship with your spouse. It's great advice. Yeah. And like, and as being like the daughter of a mother like that, that was so empowering for me because I could identify myself amongst this like sea of like non-diverse women that I was growing up with and get that there was so much more beyond the material surface world we were all living in. And even now, like, everyone's always like, oh, my God, your mom is the coolest. And I'm like, I know. Like, she's the shit. You know, she's the tits. I always tell them, like, mom, you're the tits. (laughs) Like, she really is so much more than just a mother. And um, I think that speaks worlds to, like, the kind of mom that that I would want to become is – totally a loving nurturing mother like I get that you're not saying no don't don't not be the loving nurturing mother just know how to also be that like role model for your child so that when your child's growing up there and they're like what kind of woman do I want to be they're not like just thinking about the kind of mother they're gonna be you know and I think that those are those are there's a difference in between being a mother and being a woman yeah it's a great question because I think advice is something that we all need and not only from our moms, but our friends. And I'd like to say to mothers that always have a support system so that you always know that you're completely normal in this really incredibly complicated and wonderful process, which is motherhood. And that as long as you have a really good support system, you have people to really share some of the struggles with, you're going to be okay. And when I say that, I say that because I'm so missing my own mother so deeply. And uh, it's already, what, 12 years ago, maybe 13 years ago when she first got sick with cancer. And I was a young woman, late, maybe 37, 38, and I had two small daughters. And, you know, I think about it and how much I would have benefit from her having my back while I was going through this process of motherhood and that she can enjoy this experience with me would have been so fantastic because she was a devoted, loving mother, a grandmother. She was crazy with her whole body about my two daughters. You know, she played tea parties and all kinds of fun stuff with them. And she was just great, right? Very loving person. And I would have really enjoyed having her there when feelings of guilt or inadequacy or something going in the marriage or anything, illnesses, it would have been so great. So the other advice I would give is really, really cherish your own mother as long as you can, as long as you're near her. And that at the same time, I know that my mother gave me the most essential things in life, which is to to have a philosophy about life, to overcome things. She gave me Buddhist chanting. She gave me literature. She gave me her actions, what, what it takes to have courage and confidence to move forward. So in that sense, you know, I really think that she's always right here with me inside. But it is something very special to go through motherhood with your mother, I think. So I'll try to stick around, Mitsuko, when you're ready. (laughs) I would love to ask the daughters in this room, what would they like? What, what was important for you that you got? Like, what is the gift that you got from your mom? And what is it that you would maybe like added or take it away for that? And this is a safe space to say whatever that is. Um, something that I got from you, mom was not, not, 
not just the support, but you were a demand for me to have the life of my dreams and to pursue what I wanted to do. Most parents, when they hear their daughter wants to be a singer, okay, we'll have a backup plan. You guys never told me to have a backup plan. You never told me to have a backup plan. And now I'm a professional singer and I have toured every continent and sung in front of 90,000 people. I've sung at Madison Square Garden. And that's because you didn't tell me to get a different dream. And now I'm living my dream. Um, Another thing, I grew up with really severe learning disabilities. I was dyslexic, really struggling with reading, couldn't figure out what was going on. My parents started talking with the teacher. Nothing happened. Talked to the counselor. Nothing happened. Talked to a different teacher. They were relentless. So they were like, I don't give a shit who I need to talk to. They got all the way up to the principal. And I'll never forget the principal's name. Mrs. Wright was her name. And they sat in the office with Mrs. Wright. And they, my mom said what she had to say. No, my kid is going to get what she needs And the principal said, okay, what do we need to do? But there was no way that you were not going to let me get what I needed. And the, the strength and like how many conversations you had to have and, and just the stand for me, I'm like, oh my God, I hope I can be that strong for my kids. And you got so many no's and because you didn't care, you were going to, you were going to go to like (laughs) whoever you needed to go to until you got the support you needed from me. And, and, and because of that, I was in special education, math and science and special education, English and reading. I was a genius in some areas and, and needed extra help in others. And then it balanced out and I was fine. And I'm like, no longer like those things, you know, dyslexia, nothing like that holds me back because my parents would sit down with me every night and I would sound out the word that. And then I'd have to sound it out again in the next sentence. And you never got frustrated with me. Like, that's a mom. Mm. Good girl, Greta. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think I've gotten, like, a couple things from Tamiko. Um... Well, something that she's always kind of, like, put into my head since I was young is to battle your demons or, like, work on yourself and try to be the best you that you could be. And that's something that I've always tried to—I try to implement, even though I'm not the best at it. Um, And, yeah, I just remember when I was—because I had really bad anger management growing up, and I would throw really bad tantrums. So I just remember, like, when we would go on hikes— Tim and Co would always have these really long talks with me about trying to fight your demons. And, like, that's something that I definitely took in. And something else that she taught me is don't be afraid to make big moves. Because she's really supported me throughout a lot of, like, hard times for me. And she's helped me make some, like, really big moves. Like, I left my... I left before my last year of high school to go to college and I wouldn't have done that without for her. And then um, I au paired for a little while and I wouldn't have been able to have done that without her either. In Italy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, and just like, don't be afraid to make those big moves because if it's meant to happen, it'll work around and figure itself out. 
And then the last thing, which I know that she didn't really come up with this, but she taught this to me, is struggle while you're young. <laughs> Go. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I adore your daughter. We've got a special bond. Well, I like you too, sugar. Thank you. <laughs> I'd say for me, like, I'm still really, like, learning from my mom. Like, I'm really happy to be able to say that. So I'm still young. I'm 24. You know, my mom's an active member in my life. <laughs> and there, there are things now as being, like, a newlywed that she's even teaching me now that I didn't necessarily get to be taught when I was younger. But from childhood and what I learned from my mom, the biggest thing that stands out to me that's relevant for the, our conversation is you are the company you keep. And I, and in that, like, I, I think I had like good girlfriends that I always identified with, but I also had some of like some of the bad girls that were my friends. And my mom always used to say from the second she would meet a friend of mine, like, I don't want you hanging out with her. And she always had these, this intuition. I don't want you hanging out with her. Or she's like, I, I like her. She even does this now with my friends. You all are approved. Don't worry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've, I, I think that's such an important thing to teach your children to choose the people they're around. Because you don't choose your family, right? You have to accept this is your family. And those are the people you're given in this world. But the one thing we really get to do is like choose the people we choose to surround ourselves with. And I've always seen my mom surround herself with the most amazing women and like mentors. And in business now, she's just such a rock star um, as as a, an executive in the cancer space. But she is around just some people who are smarter than she'll ever be. And she's proud of it that she is connected to and knows so many incredible people. And I feel like that as a 24 year old of the last three years, I've cultivated and I really feel like I've cultivated a group of women around me that now, you know, I'm in clit talk with some of my best friends and that's a huge accomplishment and something I learned from my mom. Also something she never really said to me that I always saw that I think is like what I really, one of the golden nuggets for my mom is just like being fabulous and just like she always had like the jewelry stands and this awesome closet with extravagant clothes and shoes from Europe. And always it was just like if you were going out in public, you look fabulous, you know, and and, and whether you weren't feeling fabulous, the world would know that you would feel your fabulousness. So she knows how to pussify herself. Yeah, oh, she, she really does. does. Oh, yeah, she look does. She's, the, she's the advocate job. for my Brazilian waxes at such a young age. Nice. <laughs> but no, beyond that though, just, you know, you see my mom and, and I think I just really learned that from my mom that you, you know, to present yourself as a fabulous woman, even if you are having a shit storm that day. Mm-hmm. You know, I always saw, you never told me that, but I always saw you really, like, make an effort to go be your most fabulous self with the world. We said in the most authentic way possible. <laughs> <laughs> we, you are super authentic. It's not. No, that's not what she's saying. I think you're just interpreting it as a that's the official. No. What about you, Katie? You have something from your mom? Were, yeah. I'm sorry, were you done, Sugar? Uh, did, do you want me to recontextualize that anyway? No. <laughs> you don't okay. want her to do it differently? You guys would. You guys do, do that. To you each guys other. do that to you each, do that each other. To each You're other. like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. They're exactly the same. You guys would do that. That's what I was saying. You're both kind of like, 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 like smacking at each other. Just the listening. Hey, are we recording? Yeah. It's okay. We can. Edit as out. the listening of that, I'm so thankful for everything that you said. It, uh, you know, um, I, I want. I understand what you're saying. Being fabulous. It, it's not. 
I know what you mean. And I, I, it's not really what's on the outside that was difficult to be fabulous, but there's many non-fabulous days where I was, you know, the only person that the girls had, that was their mom for a very long time before their dad became extremely amazing and present. Um, but it was more about what came out from the inside of fabulousness that they saw when it wasn't so fabulous. Yeah. And that actually makes me think like something that you said that you taught me was you, she would say to me, you could wear a paper bag and you're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I love that because Regina, Mama Gina, the author of the book we read, she has an exercise where she has you put on a garbage bag <laughs> and swamp it out and da- you dance out your emotions. And it made me think of that when you, when you told me as a kid that you were really expressing to me that you're beautiful, your beauty is on the inside. And, and I've been able to recognize that, recognize my own beauty in that. So yes, absolutely. It's all about the inside. That's fabulous. That portrays the, the outer world. Yeah. Um, what I've gotten from my mom, the first thing I think of is I got her smile. And, um, and I think my biggest takeaway is that happiness is an inside job. So my mom has always been really transparent with me, sometimes too transparent. <laughs> um, and it's it just has been a really incredible, we have incredible friendship now. And um, my mom's super sexy and she owns it. She always looks super hot. So I think I try to put that on as well. And um, And just really like, she always wanted me to put myself first. She's a caretaker. She's a nurse, and she, I always saw her taking care of everyone. And um, and it was so funny because she, I think she would see me kind of mirroring her, putting myself last all the time. So she's always really been harping on like, put yourself first, take care of yourself. <laughs> she always says, "Marry a man who loves you more <laughs> than you love him." <laughs> My mom said the same thing to me. I say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I think, you know, Ethan and I love each other equally. But it's, um, yeah, I'm super grateful for my mom. And um, for our listeners out there, I think this is a really great exercise is to call your mom and tell her what you got from her and all the valuable things that really have impacted you today that um, would really make a difference because I'm seeing all the moms really light up in the room and it's such a great experience to just really tell your mom what you've taken from her into your life. Yeah. And that, and that actually for all of our listeners out there, we get that everyone has a different relationship with their mom. Some of you may have an incredible relationship with your mom. Some of you may not have an incredible relationship with your mom. And if it fits and it's appropriate and it's something that calls to you, we do invite you to reach out to your mom on this mother's day and tell her a few things that you've gotten from her. And then please come on over to our website, clittalkshow.com, and our Instagram, at clittalkshow, and share with us maybe a photo of you and your mom and share what you got from her. I have one last question, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To the moms in the room. Is that all right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I just say one thing? Sure, before? of course. I of think course. is going to end better like a finale. Oh, okay. I was going <laughs> to say there might be some listeners out there with not a mom. Yeah. Yes. And what Thank I want to stress is I lost my mom young, and she wasn't active at all with my me or my daughters. But I, as you said, build a support system. She wasn't blood-related. But some of my best girlfriends' moms were like my honeys and nanas to my girls. And so 
I would always, when I'd see them, so if you don't have a mom out there, there might be somebody else that you're very close to, an aunt, a sister, or, you know, or your best friend's mom. Yeah. And uh, let them know what you got from them. Perfect. Beautiful. Thank you so much for putting that in. Thank you. So I'm curious, and I think some of our listeners and maybe the daughters are curious as well, in terms of sexual pleasure, have you felt over the years that you've gotten better at it? Mm. And how, how has it evolved? Good question, oh, Tamika. Sexually, I'm like 30. Nice. There's no question about that. I'm a juvenile when it comes to dating, relationships, and sex. There's no question. But sometimes when you're 30, you're not actually having a lot of pleasure. So, Have you evolved? Yeah. Absolutely. I would hope that all of us women, now, again, different dynamic. I'm a single woman uh, with with not a long relationship right now, so and I've had a few since since my marriage, so I definitely think I've evolved. And what's nice that uh, listeners can take away is, you know, if you don't have that husband of 25 to 35 years, or you you're in long relationships, um, you know, or you're not, two things. So you get to experience variety. You get better from variety. You learn more and you become less self-conscious because you're so secure in this age that it doesn't matter. There's no filter. I'm really transparent. This is what I want. And, you know, you kind of really secure. So there's a lot of pluses to being a single person in your late 50s, still dating and having sex and, you know, sexual pleasures and, you know, fun times and feeling sexy. So, Mom, have you ever <laughs> Can you like ask that in the mic, please? I just really want to know, Mom, have you ever squirted? I will answer that after Greta is just dying (laughs) to say (laughs) something about this point of momhood and sex. Go. I I think she's deflecting because she doesn't want to answer the question. (laughs) No, I don't want Greta to forget. I will answer the question. I don't have any. I thought you were going to go before me and then you pointed and you're like, oh, are you sure? I'm sure. Are you? I'm actually, I'm, I'm I'm a little uncomfortable with the question. Oh, okay. To be honest. Okay, no, that's you know, all right. That's and, legit. And, but what, what I would say is sex gets better and better. Oh, that's all you need to say, yeah. It never, in fact, <laughs> it gets way, way better. Perfect. I yeah, agree. I'm with Francesca, too. I think as we mature as women, as we're overcoming all of our stuff over the years, and we just get more and more comfortable with ourselves, and if we have a long-term partner or not a long-term partner, we're just a little more relaxed. And at the end of the day, we've all said it, no matter what age you are, as women, we need to be relaxed and feel good in our skin, and then the pleasure comes, right? The sex that you have is really up to the woman. You guys... I really think women lead how you have sex. So, you know, learn your body and then lead the show. <laughs> nice. Mama Gina calls that get clitorate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's called clitoracy. 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 You got to get literate about your clit. Yeah. Literate yeah. about yeah. your clitorate. Totally. Okay. Right? Absolutely. So, Mom, <laughs> she's not going to let it go. She's not going to let it go. <laughs> Sorry if anyone feels uncomfortable. You can decline the question. You can decline the question. Yeah. Just say no. Should You're not going to answer. Should we talk about it later? I've never squirted. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we... We should do a topic or a show just on that because there's a lot of formations of squirting, FYI. Oh. I have listened to many women tell me. I've watched video on it. I personally don't think I have ever really 
done that. However, I feel like I might have wall. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a. She's she's done answering the question. That was, that was a great answer. It was perfect. That was a great it answer. It was perfect. <laughs> um, so we have a little gift for all the moms in the room, yeah. Miss Sugar. If you could pass them out, we just have some some little thank yous. Only the ones who have squirted. Only if you've squirted. <laughs> we have roses. We have for roses you. for you. We just oh, wanted to. <laughs> they're going to be really loud on on the mics, but that's fine. You are a mom. So we're passing them out at the end for yeah. sound. <laughs> Our for audio sound engineer, reasons. Lindsay. <laughs> Our daughters gave us roses. Yeah. On the show. I know you can't see this listening, but how beautiful this single red roses we all got. Thank you. We just yeah. really, you know, th- thank you. I, I know that you all have busy lives and you could have chosen to be anywhere today all th- all three of our guests and Tammy Co the mom and I just really you know on behalf of Clip Talk really thank you thank you for your transparency thank you for your vulnerability thank you for just being willing to be a part of this conversation I know that you all have all made a huge difference for me I've learned I've learned today and like I said we're, we don't know the answers but I'm learning through this process of Clip Talk and just thank you so much for being here um really from the bottom of our hearts. You've made a difference for us and you're going to make a difference for anyone who has the privilege of listening to this. It was really fun. I'd love to come back. We didn't really get very sexual. Thank God. Yes. We'll bring you back. It was a very empowering conversation. Yeah. Happy Mother's um, Day. Are we well, gonna... we do we do have one little oh, did you want to say something? Yeah. Mother? You could talk about sex during pregnancy. Oh, oh that could be a whole episode. Sex during she okay, we'll bring you back. We'll bring you back, Greta. We'll bring you both back. Um, sex yeah. during Okay, Sugar's so, face was so concerned. Sex during pregnancy? What? Uh, so, so anyway, my husband is one of those husbands who's like, yeah. No, I, I just can't do this. Well, Our little one you. is right trust there. Trust me, no, they all like it. <laughs> I, I like it from behind when you're pregnant. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, okay, so. That makes sense. Just to, just to wrap it up. <laughs> um, we, wanted, we, we wanted to say thank you, and we would like to invite you. So we do do a little exercise at the end of each of our episodes. She knows what it is. She's listened. Uh, yeah, it's not on the script. <laughs> um, so... Regina in her book, do you want to create, kind of, kind of create it, Katie? You can do it. Okay. So in her book, she, um, there's a pussy chant that we do and she encourages you to do it. It's a really freeing experience. And so we just invite you to say it however it feels for you. And we're just going to end our episode with a little pussy chant if you're, if you're all ready and willing. So pussy. Pussy, 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 You've got a friend. <laughs> I've got chills, and that was amazing. Okay. My mom's here. She's so proud of me. <laughs> it was beautiful. I joke for once, and it's actually true. She's in the room. Yeah.
Did you just love this episode of Clit Talk? Well, shit, then you better head on over to iTunes and subscribe, but only if you want amazing orgasms. Also, while you're over there, please rate us and leave a review. But again, only if you're open to incredible sex and amazing relationships. And if you email us a screenshot of your review to clittalkcontest at gmail.com, you will be automatically entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We can't wait to give you some free shit.